Welcome to With Love and Rage. I am your host, Angela Loca, bringing you the drama and joy. It is August 28th, a Friday night. I have my rosé next to me, and we're going to get into it. You're probably wondering, where's the guest? Well, we're channeling Beyonce tonight, me, myself, and I. The guest is moi, me, I am the guest. We're just going to get into, again, an intimate conversation, you and I. So wherever you're at, cozy up, maybe grab a glass of wine yourself, a snack, maybe put your feet up, get comfortable, because we're going to dive into a conversation around love, rage, and mental health, and specifically my relationship to all of those things in my life and hoping to give folks who don't know me and honestly the people who do know me a little more insight of of you know things I go through what's going on in my life what has come up since this podcast has aired because you know we're feeling a lot of stuff it's 2020 2020 is about naming things it's about healing it always should be and so that's where we're at I feel like this episode is me kind of stepping into like my own authenticity, a little bit of discomfort <laughs> and looking at vulnerability as a as an opportunity for for growth and healing. And so part of that is like talking about the things that I'm comfortable talking about, which is, you know, on my astrology chart, I'm an Aries, a fire sign and also a rising Leo, which means I am high energy, I love to put on a show, I'm magnetic, you know, I'm dramatic in a lot of ways. I mean, I feel like you see that on my social media. I, you know, I do this thing called Look and Lounge and I put on outfits, I lip sync and I find so much joy and fun in being eccentric and like dramatic and a performer, a performer and entertainer. I mean, I did, I'm, I'm in the Orlando Gay Chorus, and I did a, a rendition with two other friends of All That Jazz, but called All That Jizz. So for the people who don't know me, you know, I'm somebody who finds joy in performing, and specifically, apparently, performing about jizz. <laughs> and while, like, that feels like somebody ha who's very confident. And often I do feel very confident. And then there's this piece of me which feels in contradiction to this Leo rising. And, and, and often how I think about it is ironic that I'm also somebody who is a very anxious person and deals with a lot of anxiety. And what I'm trying to step into now and I'm hoping people resonate with is that all of that can exist. You know, I've been talking about these multiple truths and multiple feelings and looking at the gray areas of life. And so specifically when it comes to my wellness, I'm realizing that like having anxiety isn't in contradiction to the part of me that is a that is my Leo rising. You know, it's just another part of my chart that makes me who I am and another part of my life that while at times is difficult, it has honestly like shaped a lot of things in my life and it's taught me a lot. And so it's now getting to a point where it's like a, a recognition and almost a, an acceptance that like this is something that I have and what are tools to help me better like one survive but you know thrive as well so that's the journey I'm on <laughs> and I'm hoping and I'm hoping people resonate with that because I I feel this deep sense that I should be doing this and that I should be talking about this and that people are going to feel validated by what I'm talking about and so there's two moments that led to this in particular. One happened more recently, and it was this series of dreams that I was having and kind of chaotic. And they made me think there's something more to this. So my friend Daniel Cano 
Kid Kano on Instagram started DreamWork coaching and does dream interpretations along with like this astrology lens. And so it gives you a really like holistic like view of like what your dreams could be could be telling you. And it was like, I mean, I didn't know what to expect, but this is how it started. So, you know, I'm having these dreams with very three similar themes of kind of chaos, violence, knives, people getting stabbed. I I got someone with a knife. So I'm like, okay, I need to figure out why people are getting stabbed. I got to figure out why this is happening because maybe it's speaking to something deeper. There was a baby involved in one of them. There was someone familiar in another one. So there was, I was having these dreams and it felt like, you know, similar themes were happening and I wanted to dive more into that. And so the first thing I shared with him and he asked me to think about is if I remember when I had these dreams, one of them I didn't remember. It was, I couldn't remember the date, but two of them fell on a Tuesday. And he said that Tuesday is associated with Mars and Mars is associated with war. And when he said that, I was like, what the heck? <laughs> I was like, okay, I knew I knew there was something to it, and it's only five minutes in, and that's one of the first things he says. Now, you know, now we're getting somewhere, right? Because that's what it felt like. It felt like literally like a war, like in some of them. You know, chaos, there's violence around me. In one of the dreams, I was able to fight back. And, you know, so the first theme was like these knives, you know, and so he told me, that in a tarot deck, there are swords. And swords can be like mental sword, swords, uh, swords. How do you say that? Is that a word? <laughs> mental swords. That's a weird word. <laughs> there's, there's these mental swords and blockages that could be coming up for me that can be disruptive, that can lead to negative powers. I mean, that could lead to negative patterns that can get in the way of the light and power that I have. So when he said that, I'm like, shoot, am I about to be read <laughs> during this interpretation? Because a lot of this was resonating. And he told me that the, there's areas in my life that need more force and taking power back. And for me, it really felt like it was kind of alluding to my mental health struggles because I often feel very powerless. So clearly there's spaces in my life where I need to be taking power back. And... So the swords, the mental blockages, that's often what I feel like what my anxiety do, does. It blocks me from like, honestly, f like really like fully f believing in myself sometimes. Sometimes it, it can keep me, it, honestly, in all vulnerability, it kept me from doing this podcast for a long time. I mean, I've had this idea for a minute and I was just so like afraid of what people would think and how it would be received if I'm funny enough if I'm smart enough you know and all that stuff is going through my head and so you know clearly it, it didn't stop me enough because now we're here I'm on the mic <laughs> love and rage is a living breathing thing <laughs> you know and so that's a very it's very exciting and so right there's these swords and all of that happening there's al there was also this theme of like being like helpless like like I couldn't do anything and there was also like I said mentioned before this one dream where I fought back so the first one I couldn't fight back I didn't know what to do I couldn't get out of the situation and the second one that I had I ended up I had this knife and I got the the bad person in the room and I remember waking up from that dream being like wow like I did that and that was after the first one where I couldn't move right and the reason why I couldn't move in the first one is because I had a baby in my hands. Um, and I remember like being in this big room, having this baby, and all of a sudden all these people come in and there's just like, again, this like violence happening. And I'm like crying and screaming because I didn't know what to do. And I've done a lot of reflecting since this interpretation session. Um, but when we first talked about it, he said that there could be like this reparenting happening within myself and like having to give grace to my inner child. Um, but when I was thinking about it more, I, I, and I do think it's, it's that for sure. There's a lot of place in my life where I need to be giving myself more grace. But 
I, you know, I was, I'm in this room with this baby in my hands. There's chaos around me. And there's this feeling like I don't know what to do to help. And I don't know how to get out of here. And there's also this feeling of like protecting, like I'm protecting this child from getting hurt in a lot of ways, like in some weird way, deep way, my anxiety is somehow trying to protect me. And that's something my therapist actually told me to think about is like often anxiety is a kind of a getting us to think about where like it's just trying to protect us from something. And so, you know, I've heard like people talk about needing to like befriend your your anxiety. Right. And I'm like, I don't want to befriend her. She's kind of (laughs) rude. You know, she convinces me that I'm not great and that like what this that and the other and so like it's interesting because I like wonder if that baby represented my mental health like something where I feel like it causes me not to move and then also some ways when I lean into is something that could be protecting me from something if I really sit down and listen and talk to it right and so these these dreams right chaotic and out there getting this interpretation you know I had a feeling it was you know it meant something and and Daniel shared with me that like our dreams are really like a lens into our subconscious and often especially if we're having like reoccurring dreams with similar themes that it's like spirit and the universe speaking to us and trying to send message send a message you know, and I would like to say that I'm on a spiritual journey in in some ways and thinking about my connection to the universe. So if the universe is trying to talk to me, I'm trying to listen <laughs> because I don't want to I don't want to lose any gems. And he told me he's like, you know, because he knows about the podcast and he challenged me to think about like what my dreams and the messages that I'm getting could influence the content on my podcast. And so here we are talking about these things these mental swords (laughs) and you know this yeah conversation about like what mental health is for me and and what it might be for other people so that was that was number one that was the first that was the first uh piece that led to this moment another one that happened a little farther back probably more than a year ago um, it was when I was interviewing for a program called Maven Leadership Collective. Maven is an amazing group and is honestly pivotal to like the growth and inception kind of of this podcast. So I'm sitting, sitting in this room, ready to be interviewed. And I don't know how it got to it, but I started talking about how I kind of have this lack of confidence. And I think that's what's getting in the way of me starting this project. And I have a lot of insecurities that hold me back. And there was this white woman in the room and she looks at me. She goes, you know, like I read this resume and I see you right here in front of me. And I don't I can't imagine that you're somebody who deals with anxiety or or lack of confidence and I and I immediately started crying because I think that made me feel even more alone right because then it made me feel maybe like a message that I've internalized that I'm not somebody who looks like that has mental health illness right or someone who has anxiety and sometimes I don't feel that it's legitimate and you know so I get emotional and I started talking about that you know, what I just shared that I often feel like, you know, because I'm this very outgoing, fun loving, you know, a lot of times I am confident, you know, and and show up that way that people wouldn't believe that I also deal with like these demons (laughs) and these these anxieties. Um, And then I feel like in turn, I'm also like, I don't even sometimes believe myself that like this is something that I have you know like how could I be somebody who performs and sings about jizz and then also the next day feels really anxious you know like for me that's in complete contradiction and so I said like I feel like that's why I can't talk about it and then someone in the room was like well that's exactly why you should talk about it so even though that happened a year ago I think about that moment leading to now because like 
that's exactly why I should talk about it. <laughs> it's in not, it's not in contradiction to be somebody who what like in reality what's happening? I'm feeling multiple things. I I feel joy, I feel happy, and I also feel anxious and sad and sometimes depressed and all of those things can can come together, right? And so for me, this feels like a love letter. This feels like a dedication to all the sad and anxious bad bitches out there. <laughs> Because we exist, because we exist. And um, yeah, that's really what I'm, I mean, th- those were the, those were the two moments that led to this, to this, you know, me on a Friday night with Rosé talking about my mental health in a more public space. What has come up since this podcast has aired? Um, because I realized that I, uh, wasn't really practicing what I was preaching, which is often very normal, like easier said than done is a very common phrase. And so, you know, we've you've heard it in the trailer, you've heard it in probably the f- the first two episodes, me s- talk about multiple truths <laughs> and stepping into that and looking at our work as being something that can invoke love, rage, joy, sadness, hope, care, all of those things and can be true all at once. And that looking at our lives and our work and as like through like this multiple truths lens can be very liberating. And so, you know, started my journey with therapy again recently and you know i was telling them about my podcast and kind of the the con- the concepts that i talk about and they talked to me and and kind of was noting a pattern that i really don't give myself a lot of grace or compassion and there's like this lack of trust and care in the way i approach how i talk to myself and hearing that i'm like Wow, like really? Because I feel like an example is like, you know, I, I say that like, you know, maybe I'm going through something and then I'll follow up with like, you know, but I'm trying to give myself grace and compassion. But then there'll be another but where I kind of go back to saying something negative. And so, you know, I've, I've brought up bell hooks many a times. And, you know, when she talked about, you know, what genuine love is, a part of that was trust and care. And like, you know, for me, I feel like it's easier to think about that with somebody else. But to think about it within myself, like in what ways do I trust myself? In what ways am I taking care of myself? Not just physically, but like emotionally in the ways that I'm speaking to myself. And so that was like a big realization post this podcast as I'm talking about it in a more public place, right? This, you know, these these sentiments and characteristics of what radical love is and also like what either or thinking is and either or and rigid thinking is like the root of white supremacy. But often when you live in a white supremacist society, you can internalize different aspects of it and your own self and how you approach different aspects of your life and and sometimes your healing and wellness journeys and for me that was definitely the case like another thing that my therapist helped me name is that like I'm very rigid with myself like very black and white like it's like either 100% good or 100% bad when it comes to how I view where I'm at you know like having a bad flare-up you know, with my anxiety feels like I'm starting from square one. Like everything that I've been working on went to shit because clearly if I'm in this bad moment, it's because I can't pull myself out. So that means I'm not doing well. And I think it's like, again, like this disruption. And I think Akil and I talked about this in the first episode that like healing should never be like a destination. It's something that is always always continual you know and like well I think about (laughs) pre-covid I I mentioned that performance of all that jizz and that happened and the next and it was amazing you know it was so like energizing I felt like I love to perform it was like the best and the next day I woke up super anxious and really sad 
and laid in bed all day. And I'm like, how could I be sad when I just had a really great night? Or the other way around, I have a pretty bad week, but then I'm able to go to the club and shake my ass. <laughs> and I'm like, well, you probably weren't really doing that bad because if you're at the club now, then you're doing okay. You probably were just lazy. So there was a lot of like invalidating that I was doing with myself because I wasn't looking at my mental health and basically everything that I was feeling in a multiple truths lens because I can be sad and want to shake my ass too. <laughs> you know, those two, those two things can exist. And I even think about the logo like of the podcast. It's those like fierce eyes with tears coming out of them. And when I first got the the image, I immediately was like, mm, I don't know if I like it because for me it just looks like too much anger and too much like sadness. And I, I guess a part of me probably thought that was weak or negative. And then after hearing the interpretation from the the artist, you know, he was telling me that like, well, like why can't like love exists behind those eyes why can't joy exist behind eyes that are fierce and sad and angry and so I've talked about it a lot again these multiple truths and opening up to that and I've realized that like I don't practice that as much and so that's something I'm really trying to step into is what are the ways that like I can look at my life and like specifically my anxiety in a way that's holistic that isn't so rigid that like I can feel joy one day and not so great the next you know it's not a disruption in my healing journey it's not going back to square one you know all of those things can can exist very beautifully the vulnerability that I'm trying to step into that like I often like give myself a really hard time on top of my anxiety already convincing me of that I'm a burden, that someone's mad at me, that I'm not funny enough or I'm not woke enough to release something like this. So since posting this podcast, a lot of shit has come up that I wasn't expecting to, you know, and, and I think like, you know, part of me was like, well, maybe I jumped into this too quick but then I, you know, I was like, wait a second, Angela, there's a reason why I'm here right now. And so I'm going to like step into that because I think even too, I've noticed like, let's say if I had a, if I have a really bad flare up with my anxiety, you know, for me naturally, as time goes on, I get better, you know, and I'll find myself maybe dancing a little more or wanting to like clean my room or talk to my therapist in a way that feels like I'm you know have this victory but then there's this like thought in my head that comes in that's like well you're just faking it like because in a couple days you're gonna feel shitty again and so I think what I'm trying to step into as well is like if I feel good I'm gonna live in that you know like I'm gonna like embrace feeling good because like yes it is inevitable based on just like life that things are going to come up and so if I'm happy now if I feel good now that's not me faking it that's just me living a normal life because life has all of those dynamics you know and while that feels so simple again it's easier said than done to practice like radical self-love with yourself when like you've convinced yourself that you don't deserve that and I think that's also something I've struggled with is like I don't deserve wellness I don't deserve healing I don't deserve love so for me to say I deserve those things is a very powerful statement that I'm trying to say to myself but also to everyone listening that you deserve love you deserve happiness you deserve healing as I do we all do we deserve it you know and that's like that's a powerful statement so pause and say that. Pause this episode and say that to yourself <laughs> and look in the mirror and feel it and really feel like I deserve joy. I deserve love. I deserve healing and feeling anything that is negative or sad or disruptive of your happiness doesn't mean that you're less than or that you're back to square one. It just means that you're human. I feel like this journey of like healing and wellness has been like a journey of like recognizing like my own humanity 
often like we're called to do that and called to have other people like understand that like this work of social justice is a is a real recognition of of humanity and of love and I can do that for others and I need to start to extend that to myself and so I invite people to extend that to themselves as well in this moment and in your life yes hug hug yourself right now hug yourself (laughs) if you would like I invite you to squeeze and you know hold yourself because oftentimes we have to you know it's beautiful to share and to process with friends with therapists and to also to practice that self-love and tenderness with ourselves so now we're gonna dive into how this kind of rigid thinking either or thinking shows up in pop culture and references that i've seen through performance and music And first, we're going to start with RuPaul's Drag Race All-Star Season 5. You know, I have this tendency to not just be able to watch content on TV or my phone in a way that's not like fully analyzing and unpacking it and applying it to my life, which is, you know, there's pros and cons to it. But for me, it it feels like a pro because I'm I'm adding it to this conversation that we're having. And so All Stars is a spinoff of the original RuPaul's Drag Race where queens that competed in their past seasons but didn't win come back together for this All Stars competition. You know, so obviously there's going to be drama and reunions and reveals because we love that. Again, you know, I mentioned I was a performer, so I love to watch people perform and I love the drama. And a part of the what makes all stars different than the regular season is that the queens can eliminate each other so there was this moment in the most recent season of rupaul's drag race all stars edition where after an elimination uh miss cracker said to angina i wish i would have wrote your name on the lipstick instead of picking one that was already written because angina wasn't up for elimination And she said it was because an all-star wouldn't give up on themselves. And I remember feeling like a little resistant because for me and Angina also kind of was taken aback because there's this idea that someone who's an all-star, who's a competitor, wouldn't not fight for their spot in the show, wouldn't have self-doubt wouldn't have this lack of confidence because Angina was struggling. And I think during an elimination or during some conversation, she uh, essentially mentioned that like she was doubting herself in some ways. And so Miss Cracker was like, well, people who doubt themselves don't deserve to be here. And for me, I'm like, but wait a second, all stars and fabulous people and confident people can also at times lack confidence and doubt themselves right and there's this like need to like separate your art and your performance separate to who you are inherently and I feel like this also came up in, a, in other seasons where RuPaul talks about like these this inner saboteur that often comes up for queens when they're in this high pressure environment and they let that eat them up to a point where it could either lead to their demise or their, which is their elimination, or all the way to the top, you know? But I think specifically what I want to highlight there is this notion that an all-star, that a bad bitch, that a confident person can never let up, can never be human. And so I feel like that's where that, again, that rigid thinking comes in and, and it shows up in this example because, again, like I mentioned, this is a love letter to all the sad, anxious, bad bitches out there <laughs> because all-stars can, you know, have their moments, right? And 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 it's interesting because as the show went on, when all the queens who were eliminated came back, and so Angina came back, and she talked about how after the first challenge, there was this reading challenge where basically they kind of shade each other. And she kind of did off. She just didn't do good. And she said after that moment, she felt like I messed up. 
like I'm no good and she got so in her head that it affected her performance and it totally kind of like shook her and I resonated so much with that because I I've definitely have felt the ways that my own anxiety and how I sometimes view myself can hold me back especially if those thoughts are negative so to Angina, I love you. <laughs> and to all the all-stars who have ever, or stars and queens and people who have ever doubted themselves, like, that's normal and that's valid, you know? Like, the world we live in is a lot of pressure, as is a competition, when you could win $100,000. So hello, drama. I feel like what that situation teaches us, I feel like especially as someone who's stepping into this role as a content creator, and, you know, even separate from this podcast, someone who enjoys performing and recording it and putting it on social media, that it feels very, l- like, liberating and almost like a relief that when we do mess up, when we maybe don't love something that we're creating, that we're, that we're also putting out, that that's okay, that that's all a part of the process, and that, like, it's... It feels like a deep validation to watch that happen and to just kind of see the humanness of Angina's experience of being someone who is so fierce, like literally Angina is so fierce and a great performer and an amazing queen and also someone who had a moment of like doubt, you know, and I and I felt like I really saw myself. So for me, it's just like a validation that like you can be a star and also you know doubt yourself again these multiple truths so to keep with the theme of pop culture i'm going to bring in the iconic and lovely miss judy garland and her performance performances of somewhere over the rainbow which is a very special song to me and the wizard of oz is also a very special movie to me too it's a movie that my me and my dad specifically and my sisters would watch and I you know it brings me to a very like special place because it reminds me one of my father and also two of my childhood so already there's there's that context when I look at these performances that she does and again you know me analyzing and applying them to my own life and so in the movie if you've seen it which you I feel like everyone has, so I'm not even going to, like, say if you have it, because <laughs> then I'm judging you, but, you know, that's another conversation. <laughs> um, you know, she's in the, in the movie. It's, it's that sepia tone. She's with Toto. She is leaning on this large stack of hay, and she's singing this beautiful song about this destination, about this place, about these feelings that she's wanting in her life. And there's a specific part at the very end when, again, she's on this hay and she's looking up at the sky where birds are flying, you know, across the the, the screen and the sky and in the movie. And she says, if happy little bluebirds fly beyond the rainbow, why, oh, why can't I? And when she says that, musically, the arrangement of the instruments is very flowy and dreamlike. And there's this sense of hope. You know, she's hoping for this, you know, this other life. You know, she's dreaming across the rainbow, right? Somewhere, this magical place she's trying to reach to. And so the sense of hope is something that I, I often ground myself in and there is like this image of myself of of working through the things I'm working through of of healing of you know being healthier in different ways that I envision for myself right so there's this sense of hope that I feel in this journey of of self-love of healing of wellness and then there is this performance that she did of the same song years later Um, There's only one video of it in the way that she sung it multiple, multiple times in this concert series. And when you first hear the song, the arrangement is much different. It's a little slower. It has a little more somber feel. 
she's sitting on the stage kind of like slouched and it's just her and the audience and again the same part comes up you know but this time it's a lot slower she's like if happy little bluebirds fly she takes this really big pause kind of feels like she's fighting back tears then why oh why can't i but she the way she says that last part she's like pleading like she's she like yell like she belts it out you know she's like and she's like why oh why can't i and she's almost felt so helpless you know and often if you know judy garland's life you know it was in a lot of ways very tragic and you know i wonder if she was channeling that in that performance but i'm every time i see that video i cry and especially the first time i saw it i realize how fucking sad that song is or can be depending on how it's arranged or sung and i resonated because i like i don't know like if she was singing about her life i don't necessarily feel her pain but there was this sense of feeling helpless that i often also feel like it's the same line if happy little bluebirds fly then why oh why can't i the first time there's this sense of hope but the sev- the second time she's singing it she's pleading like well why can't i why can't i have this better life why can't i fly amongst and be happier and, and and sometimes i i i feel that and so as i reflect on two of those things it feels like again this multiple truths lens of how i need to approach my 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 wellness and healing journey that there is a sense of hope and and sometimes hopelessness that that exists and then there's another truth that comes in that was a recent realization because there was you know I, i mentioned rupaul's drag race before which is a show that i love so it's introduced me to a lot of beautiful performers that i look up to and admire and one of them chichi devane recently passed away like only a week ago and I feel like I still fully have, haven't processed that. But this video came up of her talking about Wizard of Oz. And, you know, because old clips of her have been showing up on social media. Um, and she says, like, you know, the story of Dorothy and the lesson of the Wizard of Oz is that, like, she was searching for something that she already had. Because she she dreams for this world, right? She's she is hoping that she can fly amongst these birds and be happy and find this new joy and, and peace. And she gets there. She goes to Munchkinland. She meets a, a witch and a good one and these the lion and the tin man and the scarecrow. And she has this life in color, right? And then she realizes that, like, wait a second, like, she wanted to go home. Like, she wakes up from this dream and realizes that she has everything that she needs. And so Chichi Devane was like explaining that, that like maybe she's Dorothy and she has exactly what she needs. And so earlier I, I referenced this sense of hope that I have, which is true and valid. Except I think what I'm trying to now challenge myself is to not look at like this vision of myself as like, the destination as this someone who's fully healed and like better and whole because like maybe everything that I need I have in me that like all the tools that I have are within me and maybe I haven't tapped into all of those yet but along this journey they'll be kind of like unveiled and like I am okay because I'm here I'm surviving I'm present I'm talking I'm recognizing all these things and like while like maybe I'm not doing okay at times like I'm still here and so you know seeing Chi Chi talk about that and she's so beautiful and such a fierce queen and like you know like incredible just kind of made me think about like again not looking at healing as a destination and that like I'm I'm where I need to be even if it's hard and I'm struggling and I'm being challenged but just understanding that like like a butterfly (laughs) that is in its cocoon and morphing 
that it's, you know, all each part of that journey is so important to be, you know, to, to of that transformation. And my friend, uh, my beautiful friend, Glitter Tara, <laughs> shared with me as I was reflecting about kind of this podcast episode, sh- they shared with me this uh, fun fact about butterflies because they thought that like, or scientists for a long time thought that butterflies or, or caterpillars like get their wings when they're in the cocoon. Like when it's like in the process of becoming a butterfly. But when they ended up finding out that even as a caterpillar, they have their wings in them. It's just not unveiled yet. And so like, I have my wings in me. <laughs> Everyone listening to this, you have your wings in you. Even if you feel you don't see it, you maybe you can't fully fly yet. And who knows if even if we'll ever fly, right, in some ways. Let's get existential. We might not ever fly. And our wings are still within us. That that power, that, like, joy, that happiness, it's all there. You know, it's just, like, needing to tap into it. And I think... I've radically have changed recently how I've looked at my looked at my mental health because it feels like, you know, a, a, a deep process of undoing shame and secrecy around something that is so real in my life, which is like my anxiety and, and at times depression. And, you know, sometimes it feels like there is this like I can't see the light at the tunnel at the end of the tunnel, but it's like the recognition that the light is right here. Maybe it's a little dim, right? Or maybe it's harder to see, but it's all present here, you know? And, and I'm just trying to, like, ground myself in that. And, and, and you know what is wild to me? <laughs> As I'm talking about this, you know, it, it, it could seem, or I, maybe I'm internalizing that, like, I've, I've triumphed all this stuff, and I fully understand everything, and I'm having all these realizations, but I, there are going to be times when it, I get anxious again. I mean, recording this podcast was a lot. <laughs> it was time, like time after time, recording over and over again, and just feeling again nervous. And so, I, it's it's me again stepping into like, I can be okay today, tomorrow, and then maybe not the next day, and that's okay. You know, that's I'm trying to step into grounding myself in that and so it's beautiful for me to watch myself be very in tuned and noting the ways that I'm healing during this time and what I'm learning from myself and I feel like there needs to be more space to celebrate the wins that we have sometimes your win for the day is like getting out of bed right and so or even it could be if you can't get out of bed it's saying you know what I'm stuck here right now, and that's okay. That's a huge win, right? For me right now, it's going to therapy. I'm undoing a lot of shit that I wasn't expecting to, and I understand its purpose. Maybe I don't understand its purpose now, but that it, it means something, right? And that we're like, or that I'm going through this process of healing, and it feels messy, and it's painful, and it's also very liberating. And again, grounding in myself that it's not as destination, this is a process of healing and, you know, who knows when I ever will get there. But I feel like, do I ever want to? There's, mm-hmm. there's again, something very beautiful about being in this process of learning how to love myself. So to wrap us up and close us out in the conversation that exists in this space, I hope it continues in others, is this book by Lama Rod Owens, Love and Rage, The Path of Liberation Through Anger. So when I saw this on my Instagram screen, I was like, oh my gosh, like I need to read that book. I need to buy it. And I'm manifesting some type of collaboration interview with the author because that would be beyond. Because as I'm reading, as I was reading this book, I was like, it felt like everything I was thinking about rage was totally turned on its head. So that's what I'm manifesting here. (laughs) Some sort of collaboration would be amazing. Um, But specifically, I want to talk about chapter two, 
called Woundedness and Rage. So he talks about that in activist communities, our relationship to anger is reactive. That when we're reactive, we have no idea how this reactivity may be harmful to ourselves and others. So when we're reactive, we're not really pausing to think about what our anger is doing to us, what it's making us feel. We're just reacting to it. So again, to bring this back to the work that we do as, as activists, as social impact leaders, I've noticed this a lot in the spaces that I'm in is that we react, 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 and there's not a lot of times to process and to pause. And this is the part that had me shook. <laughs> he says that anger, what it really is, is that it's pointing us to our pain. And to hold space for our pain is a way that we begin to take care of that pain and hurt. And so he goes on to say, if we refuse to acknowledge our hurt and pain, we will never understand how to relate to our anger in such a way that we are not reacting to it, which he feels is, is harmful. So when I was reading this, obviously connecting it to my work, I'm like, wow, that's super powerful. And then going deeper, trying to connect that to my own wellness healing journey is I've, I've realized that I hold a lot of anger towards myself. There, I feel like I'm really angry with myself, which is really my anxiety. Because <laughs> I've, I've seen the ways that it's held me back. I've seen the ways that it's made me feel shitty. I've seen the ways that it's made my head spiral, made me convince things that are, made me convince myself of things that are, extremely negative and for some reason it's hard for me to connect my inner self from that like I feel like a lot of times I have all of these tools and people and love around me but I can't move I feel stuck and it feels like that's my fault that like I am you know if I can't get out of bed and I'm not eating or I'm not drinking water like I get so frustrated with myself because then I feel like I'm the one who's contributing to my demise. I know I got to drink water. I know I have to eat. I know it's important for me to exercise and I'm not doing those things. Right. And so it, it's, I feel like what's happening there is like, I'm one again, not practicing that self-compassion and grace, especially in the moment that we're living now in a pandemic in a social uprising, political uprising, like a lot is happening. And Again, there's this this deep-seated anger that I feel towards myself. And what he's trying to tell us, if I'm feeling specifically angry with myself, what pain is that pointing to? It's, like, painful for me to hear these negative thoughts a lot, <laughs> to feel like I'm a burden, to feel like I'm messing up all the time, or to create this reality that I am, when it really isn't. It's a lot of times it feels like a cloud that I'm in, right? I can't see. <laughs> and so there's a lot of pain and hurt that I have to confront, you know, that that is within me. And, and I'm so appreciative to, appreciative to the way he's framing anger as a way to point to our pain when we really pause and think about what it's, what it's leading us to. And so I feel like this journey... <laughs> of wellness feels like a journey of like forgiveness. Like it feels like uh, Angela, I forgive you. Angela, I forgive you <laughs> for, you know, I don't know, being human in different ways. I, I have to, it, it feels like this journey of forgiveness. And honestly, I haven't fully tapped into that, what that looks like yet. Cause it's hard. Cause I've seen mm. how my anxiety not only impacts me, but possibly other people. And depending on the ways it manifests. And so, like, sometimes it causes me to maybe not be the greatest friend or not be able to show up in the ways that I fully can. And so there feels like, again, like, like I have to forgive myself. We have to forgive ourselves for fucking up. <laughs> 
in different ways, you know, because we're all have the ability to do harm, you know, self love and radical self love often starts with like forgiveness. And so I just wanted to name name that and uh, diving deeper into again, what my anger is pointing to, which is the pain that I that I feel in different ways when it comes to like, becoming conscious of all of this stuff it feels like you know when you go on this journey of healing it's very painful and becoming conscious of all these things often prompts a lot of pain and what is unraveled as we work through those things and become better to ourselves and the the people around us it feels worth it and so that's what I'm also trying to ground myself in and so Again, as I was reading this chapter in this book, he leaves us with this quote in the, at the end of, of, that, of the chapter of woundedness and rage that I want to leave with folks. <laughs> he says that there's something about our identity as activists that is so closely related to the anger that we experience. What would it look like if we formed our activist communities around joy, not the suffering or the anger as a basis for our change work. And so when I read that, it felt like a deep affirmation to the journey that I'm on, what I'm talking about on this podcast, because I feel like that joy and healing and happiness was something I was thinking about. I mean, at the beginning of this episode, I said I'm bringing you drama and joy, (laughs) because I realized all those things are so important. And specifically joy and liberation, what if that's what informed our work? Not the anger. Anger is there, but it should, should it be what moves us? No, love is, should be what moves us. Joy, hope for liberation should be what activates us. And that's what he's offering. And so that's what I'm trying to step into. Because anger and rage is inevitable, right? But what's harder is, is that love piece and sometimes joy. But I think when we step into that more, I feel like we're going to liberate ourselves and each other's in this process. And so, again, thank you (laughs) for tuning in and listening to all my reflections and analysis. And again, this is a love letter to all the anxious, sad, bad bitches out there. Thank you all with love and rage. Angela Loca.